Hi, y'all, and welcome to the Twin Tiger Show. My name is Tiger Aaron, alongside with Tiger Drew, and this is going to be a weekly show where we talk about some Clemson Tiger news, either coming from the school or from the athletic department. Basically, anything that's Clemson Tiger news worthy, we will discuss on a weekly basis. For the most part, with this being the college football season, that is where we're going to focus a lot of our time and effort into coming out of. For the most part, we will do weekly recaps on the previous game. So this week, we will we will talk about the thrashing down in Atlanta. Our Tigers did against the Yellow Jackets of the Institute in Georgia. We will also do weekly news reports, reactions to some memes, some videos, some news coming out of Clemson, ESPN, and whatnot. We will also talk about how our former Tigers are doing off off in the NFL, so we will get into some D-Hop news, some Deshaun news, basically any former Clemson player who is in the NFL now. We will also do weekly previews, so this week we will discuss the Syracuse game and, and how we think our boys match up in that one, and we will end off just about every episode with a forum, Twitter, anchor, response Q&A, Q&A session where you guys, the viewers, ask us some questions and we just kind of we just kind of answer them for you uh won't all have to be Clemson related we would like to keep it so just so we can have a, a consistency in our answers but for the most part I think let's get to it uh first off we want to go over a breakdown of the Georgia Tech game and what had happened if uh any of you guys did not see it the game was played at 12 p.m on ABC so it was nationally televised and it got off to a quick start. Tiger Drew, what did you see in the first few series of the game that kind of showed you where the game was going to end up? Uh, I mean, really just starting off the rip, absolute domination. Anywhere from offensive line to, you know, aside from the fumble early from ETN, he was pretty much doing whatever he wanted early. Um, I know we kind of abandoned, abandoned him a little bit, went more to the passing game, but Clemson was pretty much doing anything that they wanted to all night or all afternoon, rather. I mean, yeah, you you saw instances early where Georgia Tech, Tech just com- com- completely failed to get the penetration on our front line, on our offensive front. But Georgia Tech did a good job at stopping the run. They kind of, I could tell early on, they were hell-bent on, on stopping ETN and really making us throw the ball. Unfortunately, it is one of those things with our backfield and our basically our skill positions being so talented that it's kind of a pick your poison format. Do you want us to beat beat you through the air or beat you through the ground? And Tech was sold for the entire game, for the most part, making us beat them through the air. I mean, the entire game we only had 171 rushing yards and we didn't run the ball a whole lot. We saw about halfway through the second quarter, Clemson go to a almost, I would say, Mike Leach-ish offense where we just threw it on every opportunity we got. Uh, What about the Tech defensive play that also made you see that, you know, it just wasn't going to be the Yellow Jackets day? I mean, they started off pretty well. Um, Going back to what you said, just kind of piggybacking. Whenever you play an offense like Clemson, you really have to pick, do you want to let Trevor Lawrence beat you or do you want to let Travis Etienne beat you? And for some reason, Georgia Tech came out and said, we're going to dare Trevor Lawrence to throw the ball. That's exactly what he did. 
Um, and it, it didn't really work out too well for them. Um, they started off early, you know, got a couple turnovers, uh, that interception that broke Trevor's, uh, and then you had the fumble with ETN. Um, they didn't play terrible to start, but whenever, whenever your offense only gets seven first downs in the whole game and your defense is out there all day long, it gets pretty difficult whenever you're going up against the horses that Clemson has. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, I was, uh, I was in Bobby Dodd that day. It was, a, it was an interesting environment. Uh, it was one of the first times going to Atlanta, going in, into the stadium and not seeing a lot of orange there, you know, with, uh, with uh, the COVID-19 parameters taking place at the majority of college stadiums. We've, we've kind of seen that, you know, home field advantage isn't as big. But for the smaller teams like Tech and maybe some group of five teams where, you know, their home fans, their season ticket holders, their boosters just aren't as invested into the program, you see kind of like the road team take over. And this was one of the first times where I saw orange in the stands for sure, but it wasn't like years past. It, uh, it seemed the season ticket holders and the boosters, even though they kind of knew what the outcome of the game was going to be, you know, you can never predict these games 100%. But when you have a Clemson team, probably one of the best rosters Dabo Sweeney ha has ever had versus a tech program who's still in a rebuild from Paul Johnson to Jeff Collins, you can almost predict the outcome or, or at least in a win-loss format. But it, it was an exciting environment. And that fumble by ETN early um, made me hear it a little bit. I was with uh, a family friend who are tech alums. They've been tech fans for ages and they had an extra ticket and they brought me and uh, yeah, they uh, gave it to me early after that uh, ETN fumble. But for the most part, we saw a tech defense that was energized and hype, but just with their offenses complete inability to move the ball at all it depleted them and it drained them and tech isn't two three deep like clemson is so when their starters are playing you know 40 50 snaps per half they get tired and you know i, I would say tra transitioning over to the offense what what do you see by jeff sims uh the uh quarterback for tech and jeff collins and just what kind of kind of showed that they weren't playing the uh, the comp complimentary football you would like to see a offense do to their defense. Yeah, uh, early, you know, Jeff Sims had the, the really big touchdown pass. I believe it was Mario Goodrich on coverage. It got absolutely burnt uh, for one, for some reason or another. Um, and they came out not, not great, but also not terrible. Um, but like you said, whenever you're not playing that complimentary, complimentary football, and Clemson's forcing you into three and out after three. And I think their first three drives, they had a total of like three or four yards. I know a couple drives resulted in negative yards. So whenever that starts off early and that Clemson offense starts scoring on you quick, it can put it in your mind that you really need to throw the ball all over the yard, try to keep up with those guys. But that's not what you got to do. I think, I think going up against the Clemson team, you really got to try to run the ball a little more, milk a little bit of that clock, because if you keep giving Clemson opportunities on offense to score, there's not a whole lot that, that the other offense is going to be able to do. I mean, yeah, 
going back to that, like, um, in the stands, uh, with, uh, with uh, my family friends about when it was, when it was 52, seven halftime, they were asking me like, Hey, like, why are you guys like just scoring so much on us? And like, and like, and they weren't upset. Like they just didn't really like understand, you know, and they like to say I'm the, the godfather of Clemson football, but I'm just a normal fan. And like, I just watch the games. It's, it's exactly what you said. Georgia tech wanted to, wanted to go blow for blow with Clemson and as as noble and as brave of a game plan that is at the end of the day you know that's not going to happen you know Davo Sweeney won't won't let that happen Brent Venables will not let anyone go blow for blow with Clemson he is a mad genius on the defensive front and when Tech showed a willingness to start throwing the ball early there wasn't a whole lot they could do um, with the revamping our front seven has seen compared to last season. We're seeing Brent bring the blitz more and we got to the quarterback a lot. We got to him a lot early. Uh, we saw Tyler Davis, Tyler Davis fighting off the double teams, Miles Murphy coming off the edge. Um, Brissett just going through the middle Specter finding holes. We just we got to Sims early, and Tech still being hell bent on trying to go blow for blow with us. It kind of bit them in the butt in the end, giving Clemson. You know, it, basically, I think the possession stat at at the end of the half was Clemson had like I'd like to say like eighteen minutes on the ball, and Tech had twelve and. You know, that's a recipe for disaster. And in years past, specifically last year, when we saw Collins take over Tech and them go away from the Paul Johnson triple option where Tech was the team used to maintaining possession, getting 35, sometimes even 40 minutes on the ball because they're running it 50, sometimes even 60 times a game, 60 times a game. You know, we saw them go away from that. Collins bringing in a more linear option in uh, in the spread. But that first-year team for Collins was a triple option built team. You know, undersized offensive linemen. You have 30 running backs on roster. And what, what, what they did last year was they just – they ran the ball against us. You know, first down, run the ball. Second down, run the ball. Third down try to find the pat passing option but by then they've milked a minute minute 15 off, off the clock and with them being with them still having a team built around the run game they were moving the ball against us last year they were getting first downs they were putting time on on their side and this year that just wasn't the case and then even when they started to run the ball they went tempo. So, you know, you have a six-second play, and then they're snapping the ball 15, 15, 20 seconds after that. They're still averaging sometimes three plays a minute. And as you said, those those are three and outs. So a minute 30 on the ball, and then you're punting it away to probably one of the most talented rich offenses in the country you're not going to have a good day 
and Tech just didn't have the defense to stop to stop Clemson's offense, and they couldn't, for the love of them, create their own opportunities. They had that big bomb to uh, Jalen Camp early, and I mean, like I kind of saw like in coverage, Mario Goodrich isn't by any means a overwhelming force at the cornerback position. You know, he isn't the fastest, he isn't the tallest. I would say Goodrich is more of a coverage corner, you know, give him a bubble, give him about five yards in between him and the line scrimmage or between him and a wide out for him to read, read the quarterback, read, read the routes and sit in the coverage. Instead, we put him one-on-one with Tex, probably their best or most talented wide receiver in Jalen Camp, who it isn't by any means the fastest guy. So seeing him just burn the brakes off of Goodrich early was disconcerting. And I guess when Tech saw that saw that opportunity, they saw us put our corners, you know, guys like Mario Goodrich, guys like Fred Davis out out on islands. They saw a a opportunity where they could beat us deep. But I think the difference from that first touchdown play and the rest of the game was even though Clemson had their corners on islands I don't think Brent brought a big blitz I think we only sent like four maybe five guys at Sims so that gave him the extra half second step up in the pocket and just deliver a a a absolute dart but I think one thing that that kind of hurt tech it in the end wasn't their play calling wasn't their scheme, wasn't their tempo, or even their time of possession. It, it was just the fact Trevor Lawrence, in in my opinion, had his best game as a Clemson Tiger ever. And I'm saying that even after what he did to Bama his freshman year. I mean, Drew, it's, it's one of those things to see a quarterback make NFL caliber throws, but it's another to see him do it every time he drops back it in the pocket you know he's getting three-step drops and throwing it 45 yards deep to a wide open Amar Amari Rogers and then uh, I believe it was in the second quarter he had uh, he had a route to I think Cornell Cornell was lined up in the slot and he ran a corner route and Clemson was up big already I'm sitting in my seat and I see that throw and I, and like, I get up and yell, you know, like, you know, like, holy crap, you know, everyone's like, what? It's just another touchdown. I'm like, did you see the throw? And, you know, like, what did you see from Trevor Lawrence that kind of showed you early that it it was going to be one of those games where he was on his money, he was on his stuff and he was making basically what a lot of people have said his Heisman statement. Yeah. Uh, I'm obviously anytime you can throw five touchdowns and a half against whoever you're playing, doing that against air is hard enough. Um, let alone playing against a, a division one ACC football team. Um, you know, the throw you're talking about the Cornell on that corner route, that was impressive. The throw that really uh, stuck out to me was the, was the back shoulder route to Cornell um, on the right side of the field. Really good coverage by the Georgia Tech defender. And Trevor Lawrence puts the ball at the only spot where Cornell can make a play. 
And here we go, moving the ball down the field again. So not only with Trevor Lawrence, obviously everybody knows his arm strength is incredible. Um, anytime he can make a throw that's not only 30 yards down the field, but also 25 to 30 yards to the side, I mean, it just makes me drop my jaw and go, wow. He is – I mean, he's probably going to be the best quarterback to ever come through Clemson. Um, I think after this year, if he if he does go pro like he's been hitting that, we'll be talking about Trevor Lawrence's – maybe not only the best quarterback in ACC and Clemson history, but possibly the best quarterback in the history of college football. Yeah. I mean, we're seeing, we're, we're seeing scouts call him a, a once, once in a generation talent, calling him the best quarterback, quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck. And he's getting all of these accolades and as much hype and as much excitement college uh, college scouts, NFL scouts, and um, NFL GMs put into players, you don't hear once in, once in a generation a whole lot. You might hear it every 10 years from two guys. You know, I don't think I heard that once in a generation talent outside of Andrew Luck and before him, John Elway. So that's- you don't hear that a lot especially at the quarterback position. So that's what I was going to lead off with. I know everybody wants to make the comparison to Andrew Luck, but Trevor Lawrence is just so much more than Andrew Luck was in college or or even in the pros. I know that Andrew Luck was a tremendous quarterback, but I was watching somebody on ESPN. I believe it was Keyshawn Johnson, and he came out and he said it. He was like, why are we comparing this guy to Andrew Luck? He never won anything. And then he's the one that brought up the comparison to John Elway. And, I mean, it is just absolutely – incredible what this guy can do we're definitely uh, lucky and blessed to have him playing for us not against us yeah I mean it's he's getting all these accolades and all this hype and I think one of the best things about Trevor Lawrence is he's aware of the influence he has on college football obviously going back to the uh, hashtag we want to play movement that he, Darian Wrencher and Justin Fields led, but he knows he has an influence just on the, the game he's in itself. I mean, how, how often are you going to hear a quarterback after, after having a career best game, you know, throwing for 404 yards in 31 minutes, having five touchdowns, one, one interception, still tell reporters after the game he left throws on the field. He left points on the field. I mean, how often do you hear a quarterback, not a coach, a quarterback, a player, a 20, a 21-year-old say, we left 14 points off the board in a 73-7 to final? You don't hear that a whole lot. You, you, you hear that statement from an NFL guy, a guy who's getting paid to do one thing and one thing only, and that's play football. And Trevor Lawrence already has that mentality in college football. Some could say it's because he's a leader of the Clemson football team. Some could say it's because, let's be honest, he could have gone pro out of high school, which I won't say that. I would say, you know, undrafted guy, but you – you can tell that Trevor Lawrence has that leadership 
mentality that takes teams deep into postseason runs, whether it is college football and, and or the NFL. You know, he just has that positive mentality. And it's one of those things that if you're a NFL scout, a NFL GM or a coach, you want that kind of guy on your roster. I mean, we saw two years ago, Cleveland Farrell get drafted. I think it was fourth overall by, at the time, Oakland, currently the Las Vegas Raiders. And on his phone call with, um, with Mike Mayock, Mayock said, I'm not drafting you for your talent. I'm, I'm not drafting you for this. I'm drafting you for a leader. We need a leader on this defensive front. So you're seeing quarterback, uh, I mean, you're seeing GMs and coaches go after leaders. They want people who can, who can lead their team and step in early, even though they're only 20, 21, 22, sometimes 23 years old. You know, being on a roster and facing guys who are almost 30, who've made millions and millions of dollars, who have, you know, basically sold their lives into playing a sport, and you're asking a young guy to step in and go, Hey, I've, I've never played it down before with you guys, but this is how we need to do it. And with Trevor Lawrence, I, I think he's one of those rare guys where not only can he say, yeah, I've done it. He can say like, now let's do it, you know, be a leader for his team. And, you know, he's, he's going to be first overall when he comes out, but, We've seen this NFL season, especially with the New York Jets, or specifically with the New York Jets, a little bit of a trend going on of people saying, hey, if I'm Trevor Lawrence, I don't want to play for New York. I, you know, I, you know, I don't want to play for the Jets. So could we possibly see Trevor Lawrence just go, listen, I appreciate the hype, but I don't want to play for the Jets. So I'm going to come back and do something with Clemson. I mean, could, could, could we see that? Uh, I mean, you could, I don't, I don't necessarily think that Trevor Lawrence is that kind of kid. And I say kid, he's a, he's a 20 year old, 21 year old man. That's done more with football than I could ever dream. Um, but yeah. I don't think Trevor's the kind of guy to, to look at an NFL GM and say, yeah, I'd, I'd rather not come play for you. The agony that it's, that it's going to bring all of us watching Trevor go play for the Jets is going to be ten times worse than any scenario we've seen Deshaun in. Um, I'd love it if maybe he could pull an Eli, or uh, you know, if the Jets were to trade away that pick, get some get some players. Um, I like to think that a bunch of Clemson fans were selfishly rooting for the Falcons to go winless, um, get to see him in Atlanta and on regional TV every week, but. Doesn't look like that's going to be the case. Uh, but Trevor Lawrence is the kind of guy that steps into a locker room and automatically makes everybody on the team just a little bit better. We saw him come into Clemson with Kelly as the as the senior, and, you know, he came in, he was quiet, and he showed everybody what he could do instead of telling everybody. And I think that's what you'll see him do in the pros also, kind of go into the, into the locker room and put his head down and go to work. But at the same time, he's not going to be an 18-year-old kid anymore at that point. He's going to be a – 21, 22-year-old man and going in there and letting everybody know, hey, I am the I am the franchise quarterback. I'm here to change everything up. What you've been doing before me hasn't worked, so let's make this work. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, going back on that Deshaun thing, I mean, 
when Deshaun went to the Texans, they made the playoffs the year prior. You know, they they still found success with having a complete with just inept players at the quarterback position. And as much as like Clemson players like joked about it and stuff, it, it was it, it was pretty accurate. You know, at the time Houston, you know, was pretty open, not I would say verbally, but through their actions, open on not even though saying Trevor, I mean, uh, even though saying Deshaun is their franchise guy, not going out and getting the talent or the defense or the offensive line they need to set their organization up to have that franchise quarterback who can lead them to lead them to this and that. And this offseason, we saw Deshaun sign the second biggest contract in, in, in NFL history. You know, he's making almost as much as Patrick Mahomes. And it's, it, it was Houston's front office saying, we believe this guy is just as good as Patrick Mahomes. You know, we believe this guy can bring us the championships, can bring us the wins, can bring us the trophies that Patrick Mahomes can and has brought to Kansas City. And then we see, I think it was before the trade, we see Bill O'Brien do maybe one of the worst trades in sports history and trade away probably the best wide receiver in the NFL for what I would like to say is a past his prime running back and a bag of skills. You know, uh, the Texans, even though they made the financial commitment, didn't make the on the field commitment to to Deshaun and if Trevor were to go to the Jets not only do I feel it'd be a worse situation than Trevor uh, than Deshaun it would in my opinion ruin what could be a great NFL career for a guy early you know it it could be one of those things where he loses the love of football because he's playing for just an inept owner and GM and head coach because for some odd reason the Jets who are winless this season haven't really made any noise on whether or not they're going to fire Adam Gase yet instead they go and cut an all-pro running back in Le'Veon Bell so so could we see either Trevor just losing his love of the game and just walking out just going you know it it is even worth me trying to go somewhere else or do we see him get hurt behind a a offensive line that couldn't protect a lollipop from a toddler. You know, um, you mentioned you you mentioned doing what Eli did uh, when he told the Chargers, you know, kind of to shove it. Um, and back on the idea that Trevor wouldn't be the kind of person who just goes, no, I'm not playing for you, so I'm going to st- st- stay in college. I also think he isn't the, the kind of guy who would do what Eli did, you know. Not saying what 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 Eli did was poor by any means, you know. I mean, it in the end it really worked out. The Chargers got a got a phenomenal quarterback in Rivers, and Eli went to where he wanted to go. So it did work out in the end. But if we were to see Trevor pull a a Eli Manning move, I think it's going to get not only just publicly ridiculed and that, but it's, it, I don't think his actions 
and decisions should should be made off the idea that it could make Clemson look bad because at the end of the day, it's his life, it's his choice. He has the freedom to do whatever he wants, and I will always just support that. But I mean, Clemson's created a brand. Clemson's created a a a identity, and you know, Clemson has mottos and logos everywhere saying "Be passionate about the paw." Well, what does PAW stand for at Clemson? It now stands for passionate about winning. You're seeing players out of high school go to Clemson because, let's be honest, they want to win. They want to win football games. They want to win championships. They want to win trophies. And if we see one of the best quarterbacks of all time coming out of college go, I don't want to play for you guys because I'm not going to win, that kind of creates a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths. You know, with with the NFL being a a literal paid being paid to play platform, it's one of those things where pe- people could say, you know, it, it doesn't matter win or lose, you're still making money. So why does it matter? You know, um, and for guys like Trevor, for guys who are who have been brought up in this modern day football to where, you know, like I. Like, I don't really want to say it like this, but it takes a lot more talent to make the NFL now than it did in decades past. Not saying people who were in the NFL back then were bad football players. No, they're, they're the best at their age, at their position, at their time, and you can never take that away from them. But with youth football being what it is now, you know, with, with the youth football associations instilling in these kids early that you have to be the absolute best. You know, I played, I played football for 12 years. I played high school varsity. I did this and that. I don't know a single person I ever played football with who ever had even the word NFL said in the same sentence as them. So the idea that a player who has worked so hard and done so well to be in in a position to do that, saying, yeah, the team's not good enough, you know, is not only could be seen as a slap in the face to the fans and the players and the organization itself, but it's a slap in the face to the NFL and a slap in the face to, to the guys who weren't given the godly talent of throwing a football 80 yards weren't given the ability to run a 4440 you know could could we see or do you expect if Trevor were to come out this year him just braving it out and going to the Jets and maybe have the mentality of you know what I don't care what all is has gone on in years past I'm here let's get it now absolutely um I, I think Trevor's the kind of kid that no matter what situation you throw him in, he's going to go in and, you know, in his mind, think that he's good enough to change it on his own. Um, I mean, you're looking at a guy that's, I think, three or four games into his freshman season at Cartersville High, he took over the starting job, and he's only lost three career games as a starter, high school and college included. Um, the guy's just a flat-out winner. I think wherever he goes, that's the kind of mindset he's going to have. Uh, I sure will hate to see it with the Jets because – I don't think that they're going to put the money into what he needs to be that successful Hall of Fame, all pro quarterback. Um, 
wherever he goes, there's going to be a lot of Clemson fans buying a lot of jerseys. Um, but I, I really hope it's not the Jets. Uh, I think I think Trevor will be fine. He'll do his thing. He'll he'll put up numbers and he'll win them, you know, three or four games. But the NFL is not, you know, backyard football. You can't go out there and and do it all by yourself. He's he's got to have the help. And the Jets just have shown that they're not willing to to put the kind of money or time out there to get anybody help. I mean, like you said, you have Le'Veon Bell and you trade him away. I don't even think you needed to trade him away to tank. Uh, I think y'all. I think the Jets were doing a a good enough job tanking. You know, with Le'Veon Bell, so I think I think you're gonna see Trevor. Ninety nine percent sure, probably go to the Jets. I don't think you'll hear him say anything about it. He'll come out and say he's ready to go to work, ready to win the fan base over and win his teammates over. But I think in the back of his mind, he definitely knows what's what's going on with that Jets franchise. I mean, yeah, it's just. It could be one of those things where the Jets are consciously making the choice to tank. They know the kind of talent that is coming out of Clemson this year. They know the kind of guy that's coming out, and they want they want Trevor, you know. And they've, if they are making that conscious choice, they've done a hell of a job at getting the entire team to buy in, because you know there isn't a single part of that. Jets roster that makes me feel all warm inside. Position group on that you know, roster um, that's above average. I mean, they're playing. They're playing terrible. I mean, yeah, it's just it's um it's a dumpster fire up in up in East Rutherford, and it's just one of those things that I I I truly, even if I wasn't a Clemson fan, you know, like let's say that like Justin Fields goes out, and for some for some reason, he gets taken for first overall to the Jets or or Trey Lance. Let's do that. A guy who, you know, has minimal affiliation with anything that I truly care about, except for the fact that he plays football. I would hate to see a talent or a potential threshold like that being wasted going to a going to a organization like the Jets. And I've never felt that way about any NFL team ever. You know, I've never thought, like, this organization is such a waste of a spot in the pinnacle of American-style football in the world until I've seen this Jets team play. I mean, even with the Browns going 0-16, I think back in back in 2017, I I didn't have the mentality of, wow, I feel really bad for wh- whomever gets drafted by them because they still had hope. They still had a potential roster. You know, they had, um, they had Miles Garrett. They had um, Joe Harden. They had these guys who were some of the best in their position. They just couldn't get it going. And I think with Cleveland that year, it was purely coaching. Just, j- just, just a coaching staff who – had no business being a part of a professional football team, you know, but in New York, it's completely different. It isn't just the coaches. It's that entire roster. It, it is a 53 person plus what 30 people on staff. So I guess like an 85 person, just, just mesh point. 
of poor play, poor decisions, just, just consciously, like, just consciously knowing how bad they are. And I would hope they're doing all of this because they know that Trevor's coming out or Trevor can come out and they want him. And maybe if Trevor, if they get Trevor, they'll go, all right, now it's time to put our game faces on. But that organization has shown throughout its entire history, they aren't really the kind of organization to go all out and build a, build a team around a franchise quarterback. I mean, they drafted Sam Darnold, and everyone was super high on him. Darnold had the same praise that Trevor did after his freshman year. Obviously, he kind of fell off during his sophomore and junior year, but he was still one of the best quarterbacks in college football. They did nothing to build around him. Their biggest thing was signing Le'Veon Bell after he was released and didn't re-sign with the Steelers. That was the most most they've done. And their most talented player, two, two of which they drafted, Jamal Adams, wanted out after his like first team meeting. He was like, no, 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 no. This isn't the kind of team that I want to be a part of. And he, he walked. He was like, like, trade me. I do not want to play for you. And that's what they did. So I would hate to see him go to the Jets. Hopefully if he does go to the Jets or he does go pro, the team that drafts him creates a winning opportunity for him because he's done nothing but the system at Clemson and he's done nothing but the system at Cartersville. You know, even though he's a once in a generation talent, he has always remained humble in, in what he does. And I just hope that that in, that in the end gets him what he's due. And that's a fair shake in the NFL. You know, for all we know, he could absolutely bust. I don't think so. I think far beyond that, I think he could be one of the best quarterbacks to come out of, you know, to play in a long, long time. But we're never certain on it. But going to a good team can really make or break make or break a quarterback especially early like look at look at kyler murray you know he he by no means was anyone really expecting him to be the kind of presence he is now but arizona has a good team they have a good that they have a good defense they have they have an offensive line that that can protect them and he's putting up good numbers and he's putting the cardinals in a chance to win you know, um, you know, same with Justin Herbert, uh, same with Lamar, you know, same with Patrick, guys who are going to teams who are just that one position away, and now they're, now they're off to bigger and better things. While with the Jets, they're not one position away. They are 53 people away. They're, they're, they're a complete roster away, you know. I haven't seen enough of the Jets to know whether or not they do have some real ballers on their roster, but I've seen enough to not really get my hopes up yeah, if they do have one or two. The problem with the you know? is they've done this all before. They've gone out and they've gotten their quote-unquote Trevor Lawrence. I think it was, the, what, the 2018 draft. Sam Darnold was the third overall pick. And aside from that Le'Veon Bell signing, they have done absolutely nothing to help them. So what, what in any fan's right mind gives you the thought that drafting Trevor, they're going to – you know, go out and get the, get him the help he needs, whether it be the O-line or anybody for that matter. Um, it's just a really scary thought, thinking that 
he could go to a franchise that just doesn't seem like they care a whole lot about winning. It's just, yeah, we got cool jerseys, cool shirts. You know, we're pro football players. That's that's kind of the vibe I get from them. It doesn't seem like they have a whole lot of care for winning. Yeah. A fun little, uh, yeah. A fun little, you know, and asks that. If Trevor Lawrence were to stop playing college football right now, he would have more career rushing touchdowns than Kyler Murray. I mean, yeah, that stat doesn't actually surprise me that high, seeing as, like, Kyler wasn't a starter till his last season. But, I mean, that's another thing that teams are drooling over with Trevor. You know, how often do, do, you, do you see a 6'6", 6'6 quarterback go 50-plus yards against, at the time, the best defense in college football? on the ground with his legs, making multiple guys miss and outrunning a cornerback who had the angle on him. You don't see that ever, you know, from any guy. So to see him do that in on the biggest stage against the biggest teams just makes you as an NFL GM just drool at the opportunity of possibly getting this guy. And for some odd reason, I have the feeling the Jets aren't drooling. I think they're just blind and deaf, and they don't know what's going on. I don't think they actually understand the kind of talent that they are – I won't even say earning. They haven't earned anything. They have have inherited such an opportunity to have a a guy like Trevor Lawrence come out, but they're just – I don't know. They're they're doing whatever. It's like – it's literally – it makes me speechless to wonder what what they as an NFL organization are doing to just make their own fans jump off, you know, to, to jump ship, you know, to, to to make their own players, their talented players, their all pro players just go, I don't even want to try here anymore. I'm done. And they walk away. So it's a scary thought, um, you know, but, I guess going back to what we can control now is, you know, we can't worry. We can't look too far ahead, you know, like, uh, like, you know, the beautiful Dabo Sweeney says, you know, this, this week, this game is the biggest game of the year. And this game is at home, another nooner for us, you know, the second of what is currently three straight noon kickoff games against Syracuse. Uh, is there anything in that Syracuse m- matchup that kind of intrigues you? Just kind of like gets you all like warm and fuzzy and like excited inside. No, not at all. I think the the thing that I'm most excited for is seeing if we can score 70 again. Um, you know, I, I think it was the Syracuse star wide receiver, forget his name, but uh, near the end of the game, he decided he was going to flip off the camera on the sideline. So, we don't even know if he's going to play. Wouldn't surprise me um, if they if they play him anyways. Um, I know if if that was on our sideline, he would definitely not be playing. But I mean, there's really nothing that there's nothing that Syracuse can right. do that that scares me. Um, quarterback, nothing special there. Tony Dungy is not walking through the door anytime soon. Uh, there's nothing that Clemson fans need to be worried about there. No, uh, they they just don't have they don't have anything. They don't have the talent. They don't have the drive. They don't have the desire to to go off and think they can beat the number one team because they know they can't. I think I think they were beat um, Sunday whenever they started breaking down film. Um, 
I think it's going to be another cakewalk. The only thing that's uh, it's going to be fun, Kelly Gramlich with uh, 105.5. She does the Tiger pregame show with Scott Reimer. And everybody knows if you listen to their show, her and Quark, um, she hates those 6, uh, 6 a.m. start times for the pregame show. So she'll definitely be getting yeah. her, her money's worth here shortly. Um, and, and, Kelly, if you're listening, I know we're, we'd love to try to get you on a show sometime, but maybe talk about those 6 a.m. pregame starts. Yeah, yeah. It, um, early kickoffs are not fun. Uh, I, when when I had season tickets, because everything that that has gone on had had led me not to be blessed with the opportunity from the football and Clemson gods. Uh, noon kickoffs are the worst thing in the world. You know, ha- having to wake up early, wake up at oh, just like wake up before college game day. I like to wake up for college game day. I'll wake up at. 855 I'll walk downstairs you know I'll, I'll make a coffee and you know I'll make breakfast and pancakes and I'll sit and start watching college game day you know that wakes me up that gets me excited instead I have to wake up at eight o'clock and I'm on the road by 830 driving up to Clemson you know and I can't watch my game day because I'm driving you know and by the time I get to Clemson I can't even tailgate you know it's an hour before kickoff so I, I might as well just go ahead and start walk, walking the stadium. They, they just aren't fun. I don't enjoy them. And something that interests me is I don't think the players enjoy them either because versus Tech, Clemson was playing angry. And there was nothing that Tech did that would anger Clemson. You know, Jeff Collins, stand-up guy, he wouldn't let any of his guys say anything remotely enough to fuel d- – to fuel Dabo and Clemson and Clemson played mad. They, they played pissed off. So yeah, just no one likes noon, noon games. You know, I, I hate them. Everyone else hates them. You know, the only plus side is, eh, you know, we're on prime time, you know, so, you know, your 90 year old grandma who's in a nursing home can still, watch it from her cape literal cable tv so that's nice you know but back to what you said there's nothing on this syracuse team that makes me think that they could pull off an upset and i know i can't you know as clemson fans we shouldn't say that because oh you know like look at what they did you know when kelly bryant was with us look at what they did back in 17 I'm a very superstitious guy. I know why we lost that game. It wasn't because Kelly Bryant got hurt. It wasn't because we didn't have a backup quarterback, so we just threw in Zarek Cooper. It was because that game was on a on a Friday. That's that's 100% why Clemson lost that game. It's because it was on a Friday. And also – That game was Friday the 13th. I'm sorry? Regular Friday. There you go. You know, it was it was a nightmare waiting to happen. But now, jokes aside, that Syracuse team was significantly more talented than this Syracuse team is. I mean, l- looking at their stats, they don't even have a starting quarterback. You know, everyone was high on Tommy DeVito early, and he hasn't really done a whole lot, you know. Then Rex Culpepper had – he had a good game against Pitt. You combine 
both of those quarterbacks together, they are only completing half their passes. You combine both those quarterbacks together, they aren't even throwing for the 1,000-yard mark. You know, they have only eight touchdowns and they have four interceptions. The only plus side is they don't throw a lot of a lot of interceptions. You know, but that's also because they're being sacked a lot. Their offensive line can cannot protect either of their quarterbacks. And one interesting thing is, you know, obviously Clemson has one of the best offenses in the country. You know, Syracuse has the 68th best or 68th ranked defense of qualified teams in the NCAA. And what I mean by qualified, I mean to have played at least two games. They are 68th out of 77 possible teams. And Georgia Tech is sitting 71. And they gave up 600 yards to us. And this Syracuse team hasn't had to play the number one team in the country yet. This Syracuse team has played the powerhouse programs of, in order, at UNC. But this weekend, lost to Florida State. I think that UNC team could have pulled the comeback, but before they went out on the field on that final drive, their wideouts and their running backs just had way, way too much popcorn. They dropped everything. You know, and then they went back on the road to play Pitt. They lost that one. They they play at home against Georgia Tech, and they got the win against Tech. You know, phenomenal job. But you know, as hype as Tech is, and as excited for their future as I am, this year isn't Tech's year. We saw that Saturday. That Tech team is is not good. And then they lose to Duke. You know. I love Chase Bryce. You know, he is he is our beautiful little child that we have sent on to bigger and better things at Duke. And yeah, bigger and that better Duke team's not very good either. And then, yeah, I, I would say getting that Duke education was what sent Chase to Duke and playing under Dave – David Cutcliffe, it, it, because it wasn't a talented roster and a and a potential to compete for an ACC title, that's for sure. But and then you know, icing, icing for the cake. They lost at home to Liberty. I mean, Liberty is undefeated, but Liberty also joined the the FBS ranks yeah, four Liberty's years ago. A good football club, but they are like, no business stepping into an ACC stadium and winning those games. Um, any anything like that is embarrassing, regardless of you know how good they are. I mean, yeah, they gave Syracuse gave up five hundred and twenty total yards of offense against Liberty. Liberty on third or fourth down occasions were five of fourteen. So Liberty didn't even get off the field a whole lot. Or, no, no, Liberty didn't stay on the field a whole lot. Syracuse, you know, stopped their drives when given a chance. And, you know, Liberty still put up 500-plus yards on them. 
and the part that makes me drool and my mouth water is 338 rushing yards. Yeah, ETN is, is definitely going to have a field day. I think he's 100, what, like 171 yards away from breaking the all-time ACC rushing record. I think you could see that maybe in two and a half quarters on Saturday, maybe maybe two quarters. So it's definitely going to be a breakout game for, for ETN and I mean, get ready for the Heisman hype, you know, the best backfield in college football there. We're going to be splitting votes big time this week. Yeah, absolutely. And then just a- another thing, and I hope – and I hope Dino has his team ready and and aware of who they are playing Saturday. Syracuse lost the possession battle, and they only had 24 minutes on the ball. So if Syracuse tries to do a tech game plan, which I don't think they will, and they try to go blow for blow, tempo for tempo with Clemson, we can see a very similar repeat to what had happened Saturday. And in my opinion, it won't be as bad because Clemson will have the entire football team on the sidelines and not and not be restricted to playing a punter at quarterback. Instead, we'll see, you know, I think uh, I think like a sophomore in high school who's dual enrolled and their third string scout team quarterback go in. I don't know, you know, so it won't even be that bad. But I mean, betting. For this game, Clemson opened up as a 36-point favorite. That spread has been bet up to the point Clemson's a 45-and-a-half-point favorite. There's no faith in this Syracuse team at all. And as Clemson fans, you know, we're 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 kind of aware. I don't bet I don't bet Clemson games. You know, I don't try to be that smart and that cheeky with it. We know Dabo is going to put in the backups early and Syracuse is going to, or whomever we're playing is going to get points late in the, late in the fourth quarter. But just the idea that it's been bet up to almost 50 points is just, you know, doesn't take a, doesn't take a rocket scientist to, to wonder why, yeah. why it's been bet so high. And it's just I don't know that I would. Derek, you seem isn't good. I I wouldn't touch that spread honestly. I uh, I know that Syracuse is terrible, and and you know name your score. We can score whatever we want, whenever we want. Davis Winnie really likes Dino Babers, so I could see um, Trevor and Travis and all the big time names getting pulled three quarters of the way through the second quarter, and you know a really really vanilla offense. See DJ hand the ball off ten fifteen times. And, I think you're probably looking at like a 52 to six type game, um, which you know still wouldn't beat that spread, or be be really close. But then you know, then yeah, like you said, it, yeah, it's not even with the, spread. The walk-ons in the fourth quarter—that's typically when Clemson loses the spread. Anytime I I pick them, so I would definitely stay away from that. I mean, yeah, it, yeah, it, and it is funny you say how Dabo likes Dino. I mean, I wouldn't even say Dabo didn't like Jeff Collins. I mean, Jeff Collins is a very charismatic head coach. You know, he he's done a phenomenal job at branding tech the way it, it should be branded. I, I enjoy Jeff Collins. I don't hate Georgia Tech. You know, like, 
we may be rivals with them, but I like what Jeff Collins is doing there. I like the branding. I, I like the idea of them making Georgia Tech. It's not Georgia Tech. It's Tech. It's T. And it's 404, you know, you know, you know, like ATL. Like that's what Georgia Tech is. It it isn't this, you know, it it isn't this school out in Atlanta like Emory, you know. It's tech, it's ATL, and he's done a phenomenal job at that. And Dabo did everything he could to keep that game close. You know, he put in, you know, DJ didn't have to sit that game. He very easily could have just been like, Yeah, it's it's tight, but coach, I'll go out there. No, Dabo went like, we, we've, hey, you're fine. You're fine. We'll put in Hunter. And then Hunter Helms has has a career game as a walk-on. And a little bit of a Timberay stat, Hunter Helms is the only quarterback in Clemson history to have now thrown multiple passing touchdowns in the same game while still being a walk-on. While without being put on scholarship at so that let me, time, let me bring this up to you. I know so, we're talking about Jeff Collins, and and I totally agree. I think he's doing a great job there. I think they're probably three years off of not being elite by any means, but maybe three years off of competing. Um, you don't think uh, Jeff Collins bringing the barbells out last year, pregame of the first game of the year on Clemson sideline? You don't think that kind of stuck with Dabo and really just got under his skin? I don't think so. I think, I mean, I, I would assume a dab, like if Dabo saw that and I, I see Dabo as like the kind of guy who like walks up to that, walks up to Jeff and going, what you guys got over there? And like pointing and then like walking over and like busting out a few reps, you know, you know, m- maybe get two, three sets in, you know, so I don't think that really would have s- sat with Dabo. You know, I mean, he did everything he could to give Tech a chance not to get humiliated, and Tech just didn't didn't hold up hold up the, their end of the bargain. And I think this Tech team is more talented than the Syracuse team by a far stretch. You know, Tech has brought in talented guys. They brought in three star, four star players from Atlanta, from Georgia. I think I think they have a few guys from. Florida. So this tech team is way, way more talented th- than the Syracuse team. And they're just, they just laid a laid an egg. So I would assume if Dallo doesn't want this game to get really, really out of hand and we'll see a lot of guys come in, you know, um, you know, uh, current Vegas books have the spread at Clemson minus 46 and the over/under at sixty-one and a half. So, so that fifty-two to six prediction is just about where a lot of bookies and betters have this game going. Clemson puts up a lot big, or puts up a lot early, brings in the backups, and Syracuse just can't get going at all. You know. And one last little um, betting tidbit: there is no money line on this game. You know, so Clemson's not even like like plus two hundred something. There's, there's just no money line. Everyone knows, for the most part, how this game's gonna go, and everyone keeps betting it up. You know, um, hopefully, 
we don't see an absolute blowout and hopefully we don't see players getting hurt. That, that was a, 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 a plus side about this tech game. We didn't see injuries. So hopefully it stays on tune with that. And just in a game like that, we can only hope that the guys who deserve to, to get the praise and to get the accolades get them. So Amari Rogers, I would love to see him having just another career day. Trevor Lawrence, obviously, Travis Etienne, all the guys. But then even the smaller guys like Hunter Helms, like Ajuaju, like Will Spires, guys who don't get their names said a whole lot because they either don't play or don't play that meaningful position, getting reps and showing what they can. I would love, I would love this Saturday to kind of be that showcase game, you know, the game where Clemson goes up early and just – gets guys who've put in the work, who've dedicated themselves, and they've bought in getting their their op- their opportunity to play. And that's what Dabo's done his entire career at Clemson, and it is by no means going to end so before end we, before Saturday. Before we move on from this, I know we're about to wrap up here. Let's, uh, let's make this a staple of the pod and kind of every week just uh, compete against each other a little bit. What are you um, – you going over, under, and who are you picking on the spread? Okay. All right. Um, I'm going over, so uh, I'll type this in. The over/under right now is 61 and 61 and a half. I'm going over. I think I think Clemson gets about like 55, you know, maybe like 60 points. For um, and then Syracuse gets maybe like a touchdown and a field goal, two touchdowns. So I'm going over, and I'm picking. Syracuse on the spread. Fun if we just both pick the same thing. So, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go under on the over under. Uh, <laughs> we can pick the same thing. We can pick the same thing because because this is gonna go further down the road and 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 I have no doubt when we play Notre Dame or Florida State where we'll have yeah, different takes. Right. Um, <laughs> That over-under, man, that's awfully high. Uh, yeah, g- give me the give me the over, and if, I, if I'm betting the over, Clemson's beating red. If it gets to 61.5, Clemson's beating the spread. So give me, give me the over and give me Clemson minus 46. All right. All right. All right, dope. All right, so thank you guys so much for – listening to our first podcast uh, time ran a little bit longer than expected. So, so hopefully we can run those numbers down, but Hey, for any guys, for, for anyone listening right now and you have like any questions for us, please feel free to tweet us at fqclemson.com. That stands for fifth quarter Clemson, or I'm sorry, at fqclemson on our Twitter stands for fifth quarter Clemson. Uh, You can also leave a comment or a, response on on our current anchor page we also have forums on our conglomerates website fifth quarter uh we will get a forum out there so you guys are free to post there but if you have any questions any takes any opinions any ideas that you want for us ask them this show is for you this show is for you guys to have an outlet to speak your mind to Maybe here's some takes you won't agree with or here takes you like.
but please tweet at us, comment, you know, email. If you want to write us an email, you know, our email is fifthquarterclemson at gmail.com. You know, get, get your opinions and get your voices out here so we can hear you guys, so we can create the content that you like. But again, my name is Tiger Aaron alongside with Tiger Drew. And thank you so, so much for listening to our first podcast and our first episode of the Twin Tiger Show. Thank you.